without so much light on my face, many of you will see this as an advantage. Uh, you're welcome to, that's fine. My wife knows what I look like and that's probably the main thing. So um, this morning we're going to continue with our series on Joshua, the book of Joshua, Winner Stays On, and it's a story of conquest. So I wonder if you've ever had a moment in life where you experienced the thrill of victory. Never. <laughs> I don't believe that. The thrill of victory, and some people will be watching tennis and trying to, this afternoon I plan to, and there will be some victory happening there. But I'm talking about real victory. I'm talking about the kind of victory where you throw the last Malteser from the packet high in the air, catch it in your mouth, and your mum says, don't do that, that's dangerous. My, my mum doesn't sound like that, I'm sorry, it's not kind. Or I'm talking about the kind of victory where you parallel park the car, first time, no tyres curb in the making of this production, and you sit there expecting the man walking his dog to congratulate, you expect him to come round and shake your hand. So fantastic was that victorious parking. You just, you're, you're literally waiting for people to cheer. And instead, the voice from the back seat, Dad, why are we still in the car? Maybe you've experienced that type of victory. Maybe you've experienced victory against an enemy, a crafty foe. I fought a beast this week. I looked my adversary square in the eye and I said, you will print this document in A3, color, double-sided, oh yes, conquest, victory, triumph, it's a great feeling. The book of Joshua is a book of all of those things, conquest, victory, triumph, and we're going to read it, we're going to read chapter 1, we're going to continue with our series this week in chapter 1, and next week we're going to stay in chapter 1, there's just so much in the way that the Lord speaks to Joshua in those early parts of the book. So I'm going to bring up my notes and we're going to read chapter one of Joshua together. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant is dead. Now then, you, all these people, get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land that I am about to give to them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon, from the great river, the Euphrates, and the Hittite country, out to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous, because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it and then you will be prosperous and successful let's pray together this morning father thank you for your words thank you for what you spoke to joshua in this time thank you that those words resonate through history 
to where we are right now, and they speak into our lives in this time. They speak to your people. They speak to your church at this time. And so, Father, will you move by your spirit? Bring life from these words. Bring life to your people. Bring faith, bring confidence, and bring victory in our lives, God. Amen. Amen. You know, I believe that God wants his people to conquer. I believe that God expects his people to be victorious in life. And as we read these words that God speaks to Joshua, he expects them to win. Verse 3, I will give you every place where you set your foot. Verse 5, no one will be able to stand against you. Verse 6, you'll lead these people. Verse 7, you may be successful. Verse 8, you may be prosperous and successful. Every sentence, I think, in what God says to to Joshua has a, a word or a a meaning in it that speaks of success, that speaks of victory, that speaks of overcoming. Every sentence is um, soaked in it. God's not speaking to Joshua about a 50-50 scenario. You know, this isn't the pep talk at the start of conquering the promised land that's like, well, Joshua, it might go either way. You know, it's kind of a 50-50 one. You know, there's none of that. That's not how God speaks to his people. It's expectation of victory, of success. Some years ago, Clive spoke of one of the great battles in the Bible, and he used this phrase. He said, the normal state of God's people is victory. The normal state of God's people is victory. And that phrase has stuck with me for 12, 13 years, I would guess, because it's true. And we see it throughout the history of the Old Testament. We see it throughout the Bible. We see it in the life of Joshua, really clearly captured. The normal state of God's people is victory. Their expectation and their experience is that they would overcome, that they would break through, that they would be successful to step in to the promises and the things that God had called them to. And if they weren't winning, it's because they were sinning. That was the only thing that held them back from inheriting the promises of God. God made his people to be like a champagne cork. You know, you take the champagne cork out, you can take a boat out into the North Sea, take it all the way down to the bottom of the sea. You let go of that thing, it's going to rise to the top. That's how God made his people to be. Whatever the circumstances, whatever the situation, whatever's going on in our lives, God made us to be the people who rise to the top, who rise up above the circumstances, who overcome, who conquer, who break through. That's how God made us to be. So the natural state, the normal state of God's people is victory. And I'm speaking to God's people this morning. So the normal state of the people in this room is victory in life. I wonder if you can raise your champagne glass with me and raise a toast that says, the normal state of my life is victory. God wants me to be victorious in life. The normal state of my life is victory. Can you receive that word this morning? God wants his people to be victorious. He wants us to be victorious in our homes. He wants us to be victorious with our family. That doesn't mean you win every argument, but he wants us to be victorious in our family relationships and the way we talk to each other, the way we connect with each other. He wants us to be victorious in the friendships we have with our children, with our husbands, with our wives, with the people we live with. He wants us to be victorious at work. He wants us to be victorious in our studies. He wants us to be victorious in the office. He wants us to be victorious in traffic on the drive home. God wants victory for his people. He wants us to be victorious in every area. He wants us to be victorious in our city groups. He wants us to be victorious in gathering people to know him. He wants you to be victorious with the responsibility that you carry for other people. Not to be weighed down by it, but to stand up under it and say, yeah, we're going to win through with this thing. That's the level of victory that God wants his people to carry. 
That's the potential that exists in this spirit. I see it because I read it in the pages of Joshua. It's a picture and an image for his people today that we can inherit, we can step into the land that he has for us. Now I want to be clear. Victory is not spelled E-A-S-Y. Victory is not spelled easy. When I wrote my notes on this, Karis did some graffiti on them, and she wrote, no, victory is spelled S-H-O-P-P-I-N-G. Some of you are going to get that. There we go. Yeah, so victory is not spelled shopping either, I'm afraid. It's not spelled easy. I don't read in the Bible that the victorious life is an easy life. If you want to sign up for an easy life, you might be in the wrong place. But if you want to sign up for a life where you fight hard but win through, that's the life that I read about in the Bible. And that's the life that God was speaking to Joshua about in this time. So believe that God wants his people to conquer. God wants his people to conquer. The second thing I see in the way that uh, the Lord speaks to Joshua is to conceive a clear picture of what you will conquer. Conceive a clear picture of what you will conquer. So the Lord takes him and he speaks to him and he shows him the land, the territory that they're going to step into. And there's an echo there of something that happened maybe a month before in Bible history, right at the end of Moses' life. We read about it in Deuteronomy chapter 34. Just at the end of Moses' life, we read that the Israelites were camped at a place called, uh, at a mountain, Mount Nebo, which is just on the opposite side of the River Jordan from Jericho, where they were going to fight that famous battle. And the Israelites were all camped there. And we read that the Lord walked with Moses or took Moses at the top of the mountain and showed him, looking out from there, the land that the Israelites would step into. That's how he spoke to Moses in that time. And when I read it, there's nothing that suggests they've moved from that place. So I'm pretty convinced that they were still at Mount Nebo. So maybe the Lord took the same walk with Joshua to the top of the mountain, and they looked out over the land that they were going to step in to conquer. A few weeks ago, Clive was sharing how, uh, just over the dinner table, how amazing it was the first time that any person saw images of Earth from space that amazing perspective that human beings were able to see out of the, you know, this jewel floating in the emptiness of space, the whole earth spread out. We take it for granted so often, or you can look on Google Maps or um, whatever tool you want to and look at pictures of different places spread out. But for Joshua, that must have been a remarkable experience to stand at the top of the mountain and look out and survey this whole territory where God was saying he was going to be able to conquer. You know, when I first read it, I, didn't, I hadn't read the context of Mount Nebo. And in my head, maybe I thought it was uh, a spiritual experience. I thought that at first, maybe it was like the Lord came and stood by Joshua and said, Joshua, we're going to take a spiritual elevator journey together. And so they stepped into the spiritual elevator. And the Lord took out a special key and put it into the uh, panel and turned it for the executive floor. No one else has a key to that floor. And they rode the elevator together. And because there's always elevator music, they listen to the elevator music. No one talks in the elevator usually. It's not a dumb thing. So maybe they just paused and waited and they got to it. It stopped. Joshua went to get out, but there was an angel there looking embarrassed. And he said, I'm really sorry. And the Lord said, well, I'm kind of in the middle of something here. Can, we, can you get the next one? And the angel said, I'm sorry, Lord, I'm really sorry. And they get back in the elevator and they got And they got to the top. Maybe it was like that. I don't know whether it was a physical experience or a spiritual experience, but we do know in some way we have that sense that the Lord stood next to Joshua and said, look out over this land. And the way he describes it, those are the four key 
landmarks looking out that you would see if you look to the, the south, then the north, then the east, and then the west. The uh, river in the north, the wilderness in the south, the river, uh, excuse me, the, the Hittite territory out to the east, and the Mediterranean Sea out to the west. So it's as if the Lord is saying, look at all the four points of the compass spread out before you. Conceive a clear picture of the territory that you will conquer. Capture it in your mind, Joshua. Imprint this in your mind. In a moment, you're going to go down the mountain, you're going to walk through the land. But as you walk through the land, carry in your mind, carry in your spirit, conceive in your spirit the size, the scale, the scope of the territory that you're going to conquer. And just in verse 5, there's almost as if, as if Joshua's got a half-formed thought when he sees the size and the scope of the territory. Almost as if there's this half-formed thought in Joshua that says, but God, it's a really big territory. How are we going to conquer this land? And that's when the Lord speaks to him, the promise, verse 5, I'll be with you. I'll give you every place where you set your foot. No one will be able to stand up before you. And suddenly in Joshua's imagination, he's able to see not just the land that he's going to conquer, but how he's going to conquer it. How God is going to supernaturally enable him to cross a river, conquer a city, defeat five kings in a single day. No one's going to be able to stand against him. And he receives that on the mountain and captures it in his mind's eye. You know, we've had, that, and, and that's really why we, we teach the power of prayer and visualizing. So some people will remember a few weeks ago, Pastora Sally was sharing a story of Rich, her son, my brother-in-law, and how he had a vision of himself walking on a beach in Miami with a girl. Sounds nice. Maybe some people would like to receive this vision. If you're married, the girl has to be your wife, just so we're clear. And Rich had received this vision. And yes, he prayed and Yes, he sought the wisdom of his parents, and yes, he felt moved to make an offering, and yet, yes, he took practical action. But it started with a vision of what could be. He's a pastor in Miami now. He met the girl. Uh, they w- he met her in the church, right? Not in the beach, just want to make that clear. And, uh, and they're married. They have two great kids. It's not necessarily easy, the conquest he stepped into. He's had to fight. But that victory started with a vision. Some of you will know that Karis and I have been having a great time learning about how it is that you pray with vision. Some of you will know the story of our house. We moved into a new house in December. We agreed to buy the house in May, a a small gap between the two events. And somewhere between buying the house and moving into the house or agreeing the sale and and moving in, we lived with my in-laws for three months. Hallelujah. It's very kind. And in that three-month period when we were living there, I made a, a vision board, a board to help me pray for our city group. Just really simple pictures of the faces of the guys in my city group. And it was because I wanted to conceive what it would be like to be in the room with them. And almost as if I was in, in that place moving around and praying for the life of this one and then moving on and praying for the life of this one. You know, as Jesus might have done with his disciples, to be with them and to Imagine praying for them in person. And the backdrop that I chose for, for that board and the room with my, my team in um, was the back room of the house that we now live. And so for two, maybe two of those three months that we were at my in-laws, 
every day I was seeing and praying for my city group. But the backdrop was the house that we wanted to buy. And now we have, you know, when we meet on a Thursday night, it's like a dream come true. It's a vision become reality. I could hold up the vision board. I could play a game of snap with the people who are in the room and the place where we meet because God moved in that vision. We didn't have to push that vision onto God. He gave it to us, but we persevered in it to get the victory. And so there's an opportunity when we learn to pray with vision, to break through, to really see a difference and to move into the things that God has for us. So my encouragement, if you're not somebody who has a vision board already, make a vision board. If you're not somebody who prays with vision, learn to pray with vision. Talk to your city group leader about it. Share, hear their testimony of how they've experienced that and how they've grown in that. I wanted to say sometimes um, we scoot to church, and it's all great fun. I love my scooter, and Karis loves her scooter. And you know where the scooter started? They started on Karis's vision board at the start of the year, and they're a vision that became a reality for our family. That's one reason I love my scooter. The other reason is it's just a lot of fun. Conceive a clear vision of the land that you will conquer. The last thing I want to share is to squeeze yourself into the vision. Squeeze yourself into the vision. Now, Pastor Caesar, who is a great hero of mine, shares a story. He shares how uh, squeezing yourself into a vision is a bit like a lemon. So I just want to help you understand something of what that's like. This is a little... I know a lot of people come and they snack in the back of the meeting, and that's okay, because I'm going to join them this morning. So we've got a delicious, juicy lemon. Mm. It's full of vitamin C, so I'm sure it's doing me a lot of good. Anyone want some? Okay, you can have some lemon. You squeeze yourself into the vision. Now... That's good. Who, who's eating the lemon? Me. But who's wincing? Pretty much everybody. It's tangy. Because you can imagine what it feels like, right? You can imagine the acidity of the lemon and the tang and the fact that your lips are going to tingle. All of that stuff, you can imagine it. And so because it's in your imagination, your body reacts. You, you, put, you squeeze yourself into the imagination, into the vision so much that your body reacts. And Pastor Caesar says, that's how it is when you conceive something in the spirit. That's how it is when you add vision and prayer together, is you squeeze your whole, your spirit, your imagination, your creativity, everything that God's made you to be, it's squeezed into that vision. So you live in that vision. So it becomes a reality for your life. Actually, it's almost as if that vision becomes more real than the situation and the circumstances that you're living through in the physical. It becomes more tangible, and so your body reacts. And as you pray and add prayer to vision, God moves, and he makes that vision a reality. I want to share a testimony of Pastor Caesar's of the first time that he learned to add prayer to vision. And it's a phenomenal story, and it stayed with me so long. He shares, I had the promise from God that the church I would pastor would be as numerous as the stars of the sky and the sand of the seashore. The multitude would be so great that it couldn't be counted. I could have weakened in my faith. 
when I saw the people who attended our congregation, only about 30 people. However, I decided to apply the biblical principle of seeing or visualizing. So I sat on the floor in the room where we met, and I heard a noise. It was the sound of vehicles parking. I heard the people close the doors as they arrived. I heard their footsteps coming in quickly to come to our meeting. Then I saw them. The room with a capacity of 120 was full, and they kept coming in. More and more, but there was no room. They had to wait outside, making a line for the next. Can you see it? As I read it, when I, when I read it, I can conceive what it must be like to be that Pastor Caesar sitting there and visualizing and dreaming and seeing the people he was going to reach with the good news of the gospel. And he says the vision was so clear that in less than three months, it had become a reality. And I understood that seeing is possessing. So it's simple, okay, it's simple. We choose to believe that God wants his people to conquer. We believe that. We receive a clear vision of the territory that God wants us to conquer. And we squeeze ourselves into the vision. So will you pray with me this morning for God to move in our midst and help us be those who conquer in the way that Joshua did. Father, we thank you for the experience that you gave Joshua to have his mind changed, to understand that he was destined to be a conqueror. And so in this place, Father, we pray that you will move among us, regardless of what we've experienced so far in life, regardless of where we are right now in life. We pray that you will cause each one of us to receive the spirit of a conqueror, to receive a new spirit, a new vision of ourselves, a new belief in your ability to make us conquerors in, in life to overcome. God, we pray that you'll move in such a way that breaks strongholds, that breaks mindsets, that brings change into our lives. God, we pray that we'll be a people that learn to add vision to prayer and release conquest over our future. If you want to be someone who adds vision to prayer, and conquers in the land that God wants you to conquer. And why don't you stand with me this morning? And I want us to make a really simple declaration about what this is like. It's from Pastor Caesar's book as he shares this testimony. And I'll read it, and then maybe we can make the declaration together. It's this, I believe the promise of conquest. I saw it in my heart. I walked in faith and won the blessing. Will you make that declaration with me? this morning. I believe the promise of conquest. I believe the promise of I saw it in my heart. I walked in faith and won the blessing. 